Welcome to episode 771 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio team, welcome along to episode 771 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Pretty happy I'm not biking here today. Got to say, John walked in and Joe rang me from downstairs, because that's what you do when you live upstairs, downstairs. And she said, Bev, look at the southerly coming through, and a big storm cloud was coming. And then about two minutes later, it's now it's happening, isn't it, John? Looks like it's about to snow out there. It does not look... If, if you were on the bike right now... You'd be turning around and going home, wouldn't you? I certainly would. Oh, loving the weather update, team. Okay, <laughs> I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... Bean. It creates the highest quality functional supplements for better balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. When you go to the checkout, make sure you put out discount code IMTALK to get a bit of discount for our listeners in North America. Also, our patrons. We've got John, I'm going to knock you out, Reardon. I'm going to knock you out. Pop quiz, who's saying... Do you think you have to? I don't think. I, I think. I think there's a two percent chance you get this. Uh, Mum, we're gonna knock you. Uh, no, I don't know. Um, 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 LL Cool J. That wouldn't have got it. No. Uh, Alex Paul, the master blaster. He was the one who just smashed all those Iron Man VRs and did like every single one. Probably still going as well. They start, they're still doing them, are they? Yeah, still doing them. Not. I haven't actually been following it. They're not really doing the pro ones, but yep. um, they do different challenges and stuff. And yeah. And then Jeff the Jackhammer Roberts. You can go there. Um, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic we're going to interview. Magnus Ditlev. We are going Danish double because we had uh, Dane on last week. Uh, Mag- um, and then we've got another one on this week. You've got Magnus. Who it was last week. <laughs> Daniel Backengard. Here we go. Not Backengard. I had to correct your website, your Facebook post, and our website. You had the incorrect well, spelling. Well, this is the problem, because on you gave me that, but then mm. when you looked up him on Instagram, that was spelled how you had it. Well, not with a D, but there's a, it's funny with he's got a. There was two different. It was, well, I couldn't get in Danish. And Iron Man has the same thing. When you look at his name, it's got that A and the E kind yeah, of connected yeah. together. And when he, in his Iron Man results, it's just like an A, and then elsewhere he's got the A and the E, and it's actually probably neither. It's something completely different. Yeah, but anyway, so, so we've got another I'll, Dane on. So Magnus Ditlev is the guy you've seen. He is a weapon on the bike. If you've watched uh, challenge, any of the challenge race car events at Daytona and Miami, he's that dude who is absolutely smashing on the bike, and he was at the front of the St. George 70.3 a few weeks ago, and he is someone to watch out for. Uh, the hail is starting to come, guys. Just so know. The hail is starting to come. Okay, we've got Whips of the Week, Winger of the Week, and questions and answers at the end. John, there's not much news this week, but the big news was John's ITU update starting this ITU show. is back. And the cool thing about it is it's unpredictable. Yeah, because well, looking at the results, it is a bit unpredictable, wasn't it? Very much so. So you're going into a new season. There's a few people not there, but most of the big hitters are there. Um, not the Spanish, um, but you're thinking Vincent Louis, he was dominant last year, probably going to win it. It came in the men's race, it all came together off, off the bike, and you're thinking he's probably still going to take it. But Alex Yee, uh, his group had bridged up, and there was a couple of other fellas in there, Yelly Greens, and uh, they just went out there and... Christian Blumenfeld and Yelly Geens and Alex Yee uh, just spanked it on the run. And you're thinking, Alex Yee's going to have this. He's, he's, yes. on, he is the fastest runner of the group. Not by a massive margin, but he's, you know, he's probably 
I think he's probably got about 30 seconds on some of these guys over 10k um, or in that sort of region. So you're thinking he's going to take this and then our, our discussion of the week is going to be uh, well, a bit more, a bit well, more interesting. Yeah. And he didn't know. And Christian Blumenfeld, who is the Lionel Sanders of short course racing, not the prettiest, but just got a grimace Roger. on his face all day. Uh, he took it, and in the end, he did it in very impressive fashion. Even managed a little walk down the finish line, put a put a surge in with maybe maybe a k to go or so, and uh, took the took the W, and it was impressive. Now the second place skitter, I don't, I've never heard of. Him. Yelly Greens, no, he's he's up and down. He's a legit. Bit, yeah, he's he's legit. He's won some races. Very fast runner. His swim is, you know, he's dicing with death in the swim. So okay. if he if he makes the group, he's in the in the mix. But quite often, um, doesn't make the group, and he's had some injury challenges. So you'd expect him to be there in a, in a pure running race. The one I don't know very much about at all Morgan is Morgan Pearson. Pearson. Uh, again, didn't look like the prettiest runner, but when you're running twenty nine thirty, and I believe he ran a, a I think a 62 minute half marathon um, fairly recently he is legit and he's booked himself a ticket to the Olympics and then uh, he managed to get just past Alex Yee uh, at the end and then very impressive performance by Henry Schumann in fifth so you would not have picked that top five at the start of the day. So Johnny Brownlee came in at 23rd, Alistair obviously wasn't racing. He was not. Um, any other any other notable underperformers? Well, Vincent Louis in sixth. You'd say he was an underperformer. Yeah. He's the current sort of world champion. And uh, Martin Van Riel, he dominated the Super League recently. Whoa, oh. with Lightning John! <laughs> line. Yes. You'll be getting constant updates today, team. Who was the Thunder? Yeah, we can't be far away. <laughs> uh, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> uh, Gustav Eden. It was impressive to see him. Uh, you know, being able to double up from doing short course to, to long course. Uh, he was in ninth. So that was of interest. Um, yeah, very strong field, and selectors have got a bit of a nightmare for, for many of these countries. So to the females race, bit of a female domination from the U.S. Uh, it was impressive. So again, you would not have picked what was going to happen in the females race. You're probably thinking Katie Zavera, she's won lots, and there's a non few Stanford. other good athletes in there, non-Stanford as well. Um, but a couple of females took the race by the scruff and just went for it. Maya Kingma and Taylor Nib broke away on the bike, and... They didn't come out of the swim and then break. They broke away from the, the on the start of the bike leg, not the start, but fairly early on, yep. and just punished them. And they had it was over two minutes at the end. Well, that's what I was looking because I was looking at the run times and I saw Summer Rappaport got a thirty-three, and then the winner did thirty-five. And I was like, how does that happen? But they got away on the bike. They did. They absolutely killed it, and so stoked that they managed to hang on for first and third. It was. Looking pretty likely, but then Maya Kingma was fading pretty fast and she did get caught um, towards the end, but really good that she hung on for third. The, the, the American selectors have got an absolute nightmare now because uh, Taylor Nib, who won the race in impressive fashion, she won, uh, she's won. she got a slot. Simon Rappaport has got the second slot, but the third slot, um, who knows who you're going to give it to because Taylor Spivey finished fourth there, very impressive, um, but they're sort of number one athlete. Oh, so this is, the number one didn't even perform? Katie Zaveris, and there's, I think there's a number of reasons I'm not going to go into it because I haven't done my fact checking why that was. Okay. But she's the, you know, the last few years, she's been one of the absolute dominators. So I think you'd have to pick oh, her. Oh, you do, don't you? Which is unfortunate. You know, you've got somebody finishing fourth uh, and they're not going to make it. So, how many countries was this the selection race for? 
don't know. I think there was some pretty tough criteria for some countries. So I know America, I'm pretty sure, it was the first athlete as long as they're on the podium. Uh, they were talking about like the Japanese. They had to be have somebody in the top 16. Um, so I don't know the ins and outs. The Great Britain team have already selected their females. I'm not sure if the males race had uh, too much influence. Uh, so I guess the, I don't really have the answer there. But there was uh, a lot of good racing. So... You know, they're kind of just getting back to racing. Were they faster or slower? Well, this is the funny thing because I thought I looked at that and I thought a lot of these guys and ladies have been away, yeah. you know, probably working really hard on their run. And I looked at the times and thought, man, they're in twenty nine twenty six for Christian Blumenfeld, and they looked like they were absolutely flying. And he could have probably gone ten seconds faster than that because he did walked sort of walk the, yep. for the, the finish shoot. So twenty nine fifteen. Accurate. Well, I do. They've got a. It's not a lap course. It's not a lap course. They have a, a turnaround point, okay. and something. It's got to be accurate yeah. because, yeah, it, it's got to be. Anyway, I looked at Vincent Louis. He won the race in twenty nineteen. Uh, he ran thirty twenty one. So it's like it's nearly. A, it's basically a minute um, quicker than that. But then I went to twenty eighteen, and they went twenty nine fifty two. So my suspicion is it's quicker. Um, but there's there's quite a few variables when you race in Japan in terms of how hot it is and so on. But they were moving, and I think I suspect a lot of athletes have upped their run game over sort of the COVID year. Um, yeah, we know of course, that, you yeah. Know, we know that um, our Hayden Wild has, and, and you see Christian Blumenfeld, they've been running some pretty fast uh, sort of interval 5K, 10Ks, so it was an exciting race. What, what was it, 10 weeks to the Olympic? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, so it, was, it was really interesting. If you go back and listen to our Legends of Triathlon podcasts from over the years, and you, get, you listen to those athletes who – you know, at this moment, leading into the Olympics, thought we were going to win and didn't perform. Like mm. a group well. She was the lady who, um, Jackie... McKaylee Jones and uh, Jackie Gallagher. Yeah. Jackie Fairweather. Yeah. And, and the timing mm. is so important. You know, that, that, that timing of getting it right on that day. You know, and Jackie just overtrained, didn't she? She just pushed too hard. And, and that's why you look at these results and you go, okay, it's one race and... It's 10 weeks away. You yeah. want to be pretty close. But you fine, don't want to be peaking. You know, it's a fine line. Yeah. Okay, other piece of news, UTMP. Oh, hold on, I've got, I've got to give a, uh, oh. I've got to just make a few comments and I feel bad about criticising commentators because it's a bloody hard job to do. Yep. But they need to spice this up because I was watching, I was getting a bit frustrated. Tom was laughing at me because I was kind of yelling at the TV a little bit. Oh, maybe uh, you should be commentating. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you, you need that spice. And oh, when you, excitement when, factor. When you watch Super League, and, and I know that's shorter and it's easier to commentate, but there was quite a few moments in the race where I'm going, shit, that's shit. Comment that it's shit. Don't be nice. Because yeah. there was a cornering section there, and Taylor Nib is was a beast on the bike in the straight she was absolutely killing it but the other female um uh, Maya Kingma was destroying her through the this this technical section yep. and it was it was ruining their breakaway a bit yep. and I was thinking hey get excited about how good Maya Kingma is at going through the corners but also call out the other person saying that's pretty rubbish yeah and I just wish that uh, they've got Helen Jenkins on there lovely person amazing athlete the other commentator is perfectly fine but when I compare it to other sports and they see is, is it exciting exciting um I know it's a two-hour race so you know it's well a, I'm watching the tour of Italy and that they're a lot more animated yeah, there when, when we're going through job. that so you're selling you're selling something here I just think they could do a lot better Okay, there we go. Uh, UTMB Group, a uh, major player in the trail running, has uh, led the sports development in the last 18 years, has joined forces with Ironman Group to boost the sports international development and together will launch the first ultimate trail running circuit, the UTMB 
which is a trademark, the World Series. <laughs> uh, from as early as 2022, the, U- uh, the series will bring together many of the best international events on the planet, which will provide exclusive access to the sports pinnacle event, the Mont Blanc, or the UB- UTBMB, jeez, i got to get that in my head, Mont Blanc, uh, running across the globe, uh, invited to be a part. So it's a bit like Ironman, basically. Eh? Ironman have jumped off. The- no, they haven't bought it, have they? They haven't bought it. They're, they're coming together because, for those of you who don't know, Ironman own quite a few different yep. events now. So you've got not obviously, just triathlon. Yeah, you've obviously got triathlon. They own a couple of um, the ITU races. Or they, they own Tararua. Uh, yep, Tararua, which is an ultra in New Zealand. Then they marathons. own um, marathons and long distance bike racing, like um, the Cape Epic, and we've got like the Pioneer in New Zealand. There's one in Australia as well. So they're really diversifying into other sports. And for those that don't know anything about um, ultra tri- uh, ultra in Mont Blanc, it's a pretty epic event. And and, and uh, some of you guys will know a shitload more about it than I do. Um, but it's a 171 kilometer race Jeez. that goes around Mont Blanc, and Mont Blanc's a gigantic mountain in Europe for those that don't know it's not a pin sorry it's not but not oh. it's also I thought it's ran around a pin for a few hours <laughs> uh, so you're basically circumnavigating that, that whole area it, it sounds completely epic it is extremely popular you know like the Cape Epic which is a really hard event to get into for cycling like the the Comrades it's just one of those bucket list races that gets massively oversubscribed and so what they've done they've diversified over the years and they've started to sort of branch out a bit and now they're kind of partnering up with Ironman that also has some events bringing it together to make a a World Series event it just looks so much like Ironman and Kona when you think you've got this one pinnacle race at the end the golden ticket and now they're trying to figure out ways they can make it accessible for age groupers to to get there And, and pretty much everybody's an age grouper in the sport so it's kind of unique the other commonalities with Ironman is they look and I'd it looks like there's next to no prize money in ultra running, at least in the Montreux Blanc area. Okay. There are other ones that I believe have some money, but I don't think it's anything. Uh, well, it's just like the, the Ironman model. There's some money, but it's probably not. But, but this is the thing because if you look at what's happened in triathlon the last period of time, the the, the PTO looks like it's going to be a game changer, mm. and in a great way. And it looks like the pros are going to take ownership of the sport in a way that's good for them to actually make good livings, develop some more pros. It's not going to hurt the sport at all. Um, I'm in creeping to other sports for pros is not a good thing. Mm. You know, like for marathon running. Well, marathon running is different again. So then you've got some marathon races, you've got gigantic prize yeah. money, the, the, the majors. But if, 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 if Ironman took over New York, do you think that's yeah. reducing the, the prize money? Totally. Because to them, because the argument is we don't need the pros. And New York's always going to get 50,000 people there. So is Boston. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I Totally agree. Yeah, so, you know, is, is the Ironman kind of creeping into other sports a bad thing for other sports? Mm. At least at the pro level. Because mm. the response in triathlon has been, well, the pros have to take over the sport. Mm. And luckily they've got a billionaire backer because it would never happen otherwise. And it's exciting to think where this is going to go. But obviously trail running also has no money. But, um, yeah, it'd just be interesting. To see, you know, it's a business. They treat it as a business. They don't look after the pros. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see moving forward. So just out of interest, I was trying to find out if any other races had prize money, and there was one that I found in America that I uh, it was a uh, it was a trail race, and there was quite good money. It was one hundred sixty five thousand dollars prize money, but you had to pay ten thousand dollars to enter. So it's like taking a bit of a gamble to go. It's almost like putting all your money on. Wait, a ten thousand to enter? Yeah, it, it, was it was like a, t- a team of two. And how uh, long do you have to run? 
oh, it was an ultra, so whatever it is, I don't yeah. know, 100 miles. Yeah. And you go, well, we're going to put 10,000 bat down and we've got a chance of winning maybe 100. So it was a bloody big gamble. Yeah, well, it, only the winner, it's a winner. Uh, it paid five deep, but I think the fifth place was like 7,000, so you don't even get your money back. Jeez. Anyway, uh, Montron Blanc, uh, the Ultraman there, very difficult to get into. They've got a very um, complex lottery system and qualifying system that seems to change um, every year. So like Ironman, you've got to go around and doing races. But the, quali- the, the qualifying for general age groupers looks more like completing the races rather than necessarily performances. Okay. So you kind yep. of got to Just accumulate box. um, ticking boxes. Uh, the 280 euros to actually enter the race. And as I said, it's 171 kilometres around um, Mont Blanc. And I think I was reading, I think they have 2,300 in the main race. Okay. And then they've got lots of shorter races. So I don't know how many they have over the week, maybe 10,000 people or so doing it. Um, but I think last year they had... Like 15,000 applications for oh, wow. 2,500 okay. spaces. So crazy popular. And in New Zealand, ultra running is really taking off, and I know it is elsewhere around the world. So, well, One question we haven't talked about with the PTO is, do you think in 10 years from now the quality of pro athletes will be way better? Yeah, I think it, well, I think it's naturally heading that way anyway. The depth. no, but like if we look at okay, so like there's always an evolution, isn't there? Yeah, you know, and, and so there's always an evolution. Um, but I'm wondering if the PTO becomes what we dream it would be, and there's this funding, and this is you know, mm. you know, do we end up with a much higher level of like one one of the problems? So NRL is one of my favourite sports, the rugby league, and one of the problems in rugby league right now is what's happened in the sport is about eight to ten years ago they removed the under 20s competition mm. and they removed the second grade competition or they lessened it a lot mm. and what's happened now is you've got 16 teams but there's not enough players t- for 16 good teams back in the old days the NRL the bottom team could beat the top team any yeah. given week whereas what's happening now in the NRL is there's kind of two or four teams that dominate and then there's this lineup of other teams which are kind of mid-range and then there's a couple of teams who are never going to win anything and so the one of the problems for the sport is they took away the development pathway and so they've got a new leader called Peter Van Allendes, I think his name is and he's bringing that stuff back because mm. if you want to have guys of a certain level they need a pathway for that level and so you know one thing that triathlon hasn't had is, is that to be a second tier third tier apprentice kind of triathlete you had to live on the bones of your ass, mm. and I'm sure there are plenty of people who could have developed himself, like a Sanders. Sanders wasn't a rock star from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's got there, but there, I'm sure there's people of his ability who've lost to the sport just because that first period mm. they just couldn't survive. And so, if we think the PTO can, let's say it delivers perfectly in what it, we hope it can be, surely that means in ten years from now we're going to have a much stronger pro field, and the depth will be unbelievable. Well, because it gives you that backstop. If you get your PTO bonus, if you're in the top 100 yeah, totally. in the world, now if you're down at 100, you might not get much, but it's you like survive. that means a lot. Yeah, far out, know, yeah. A few thousand dollars here or there. Yeah. So I guess the answer is yes. Um, and if they can get to the point where they're actually making you know, a really good return on investment, maybe that 100 mm. is 50 grand a year. Mm. You know, Imagine if you're a 100th price pro athlete and you're getting 50k a year, mm. then you can live and just be an athlete. Mm. Yeah. So there's not a lot of downside when you look at it, to be well, honest. Well, it's, it's the thing is I think that if we can – if it does become what we hope it can be, we do actually see a much because you know everyone lifts their game based on what's up, what's pushing them, don't they? So if we can get that up higher, it's mm. pretty interesting times. What's coming up, John? We got Ironman Tulsa this weekend. Ooh. First time they've had this race over there. Uh, first race on the course. So Torsten's seeding times on tryrating.com are based on a neutral course. So the times don't mean too much, but the predictions of how strong athletes are. Um, 
is that Patrick Langer is going to come out on top by 14 seconds in front of Patrick Nielsen. Uh, I've got other really good athletes there, Kenneth Pearson, Cody Beals, Florian Angert, Joe Skipper, Bart Arnotts, David McNamee, Daniel Backengard, who we spoke to uh, last week. So he's shown himself to be awesome over the 70.3. It's a strong field. It's just massive. And Sam Long, so yeah. who was awesome. Tyler Butterfield. Yeah, so Matt, that's what Matt, we're Matt Russell, Andy Potts. Is... Post COVID, people are just desperate to race. Jeez, we've got we've got we've got sixty six pro yeah. males on the start line, which is awesome. Daniela Reef is racing. Yeah, female side. You got Daniela Reef, uh, Katrina Matthews, Sarah Crowley, Heather Jackson, Sky Monch, Caroline Lederer, Meredith Kessler, Angela Nath. So quality fields, which is going to be exciting. There is a prize purse of one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and there is. Two male slots, two female slots, and two, um, and and a sort of where they do a pro rata. How many females have we got? So we've got 66 males. And about 40. And we've got about 30 about, females. Yeah, about 30. So females <laughs> might get a little bit stiffed there in terms of those bonus spots. Um, uh, it's going to be good times, though. Uh, looking forward to it. Hopefully they'll do some good live coverage and we can see. And the other thing that race, we're going to talk about this on the website of the week shortly oh. is the impact racing's now going to have on, on the points rankings and making the Collins Cup. But we'll save that for later. It's okay. pretty pretty significant. Okay. Lastly, I uh, just we've got a couple of smaller races coming up. We have got an ultra in Italy. So first ultra we've seen in a while. The ultra Italy race. So we've got a single, a double, and a triple. And then over in Spain, a race that's been going since 2004 is the Iron Cat, and they normally get a couple hundred finishes in the full there. So good luck to anybody racing this weekend okay discussion of the week so last week we were kind of asking a question which maybe has been answered by last weekend's <laughs> racing but um if you were a great british olympic selector would you pick brownlee or ye uh in the men's race to replace one of them both or and with the females would you go with beth potter and luckily i reckon the best comment of the day is the at the bottom i'll start at the bottom with mick simpson can I get rid of Johnny Brownlee and have Ali and Yee? That makes the most sense to me. You really? Oh, absolutely. Johnny Brownlee has not, is not going to get a medal. Uh, happy to be but, proved but wrong. But Alistair. Sorry? Neither Alistair. He's got more of a chance than Johnny, I reckon. reckon? Johnny is just now a 5 through 10 guy. He hasn't shown really any, well, any What's Alistair shown? He was show, towards the end of last season. He showed one race. Oh, and he had a couple of races there, and I was going... I, he's got. I think he's got more of a chance because he could. He, oh, wait, he, wait, wait, wait. Let's he, read these and let's have this discussion okay. at the end. Okay, so um, I'm going from the top, so I'm going to go Brett Chandler. I'll take Yee and No Potter. If you take Beth Potter, you have to drop either of the reigning world champion in Georgia Taylor-Brown or Jess Learmouth, uh, who has ranked as high as third in the world in 2020. Beth has per, uh, passed her rankings only because she's performed well in some late 2020 second-tier World Cup races. I think there's a bit a uh, fair bit of re- uh, recency biased when it comes to Beth Potter. Tokyo's bike course is flat and relatively easy meaning it is likely to come down to a running race you will get dragged up to the main pack and i just think he's a faster runner than alistair right now that being said i think the, the selectors will go with alistair based on reputation 
Wouldn't it's it be funny argument. if they said to Johnny Brownlee, okay, you're still going, but you're a domestique for, le- for yeah, you've got to go back and make sure he gets to the front of the race. Oh. Uh, Neil Hastings, as long as Brownlee, and he's talking Alistair Brownlee, isn't still training for half or Ironman, maybe he should go. He has to be 100% dedicated to Olympic distance races, stand any chance of meddling. Something tells me he's committed already to break some Ironman world record or something. If that's the case, I'd take ye. Andrew Mason's got taking ye and Potter. It just feels right. Uh, Chris Dunn, I'd put them in a head-to-head race and base decision on the results, which I think is a great idea. Uh, Stan Swanepoel has got Alex Yee and Beth Potter are both future stars. Let them in now to learn the most possible from attending these, uh, their final Olympics. Uh, they have also potential to a podium on a good day. David Oh, Haythorn weight. Only selectors with half a brain cell wouldn't take a double Olympic champion who can and has delivered on the biggest stages. Makes no sense whatsoever to take someone with a vast amount of big race experience and wins to boot. Not sure why there's even a conversation. As for Beth Potter, well, that's a different story. She is def- definitely a champion in waiting. Kylie Cox has got Brownlee, domestic for, and the brother combo for the medal. Just unfortunate for Ye. No Potter as yet. Uh, last one I'll do, uh, John Weir, Ye really impressed me in one of the indoor Super League races. Stephen Bradley's got Ye and Hayden Wilde for a sprint finish for first, we would love that, as long as Wilde takes it out. Uh, I'll be coming back to see this post in 74 days from now. Nice. <laughs> John, so we were starting to talk about it, so you actually think it should be Alistair and Ye? Well totally, but they can't do that because they've already selected Johnny Brownlee. They could do that, but they, you can't really unselect someone, can you? It would be... Um, They'd have to go to court, wouldn't it? It would be pretty major. Yeah. Uh, so I, I probably have changed my mind about three times on this. I'm not quite sure what I said last time we had this discussion. I'm going you. Yeah, I probably would go if, you if, as if, well. If the job is to get medals, mm. he's a, he's actually their highest hope. Yeah. So yeah. why would you not take him? Well, why wouldn't you take him? He might not make the pack in the swim, and if if he's if he's not in the front group at the end of the run, he's not that much better that he can run through to get a medal. Yep. Um, if he's there, he's got a better chance than the Brownleys. With Alistair, you're going, well, he's probably going to make the front group. And then if there's a breakaway of, say, six or eight, then he's a chance. But only then. If it comes down to a pure running race. Have uh, your life depended on it? Mm. Like you're dying. I'm mm. getting the gun out. <laughs> mm. Game over. Who, who do you pick? You go, yee. Yeah. I, you know, I get it. Yeah. I think Legend, I experience. He's had a, he had a moment late last year. But... I just think there's a, cha- a reasonable chance that there's going to be a breakaway. And so Why? Because there's enough guys that are really strong swimmers that just break it up a bit. And Alistair Brownlee can make the difference between the break sticking or not. So at the weekend, there was a break at the front. It didn't stick. If you'd had one or two more guys, if you had an Alistair Brownlee there, I reckon it would have stuck. Why, why, why is he good at that? Because he's just so aggressive, rides so, so hard and just goes... We've got but, one but chance. Is he good here. enough to do that now? Uh, I think he is on the bike. Then I go, I don't think if there was, say, there was a break of seven or eight, yep. I don't think he'd probably get in the top three out of that. If you've got Vincent Louis in there and a couple of others, I'm not sure that he could make that. Louis is a good it. swimmer? Yeah, he, he'll be a complete package. Yeah, okay. he, he led the whole swim at the weekend. So okay. I think that in that case, I'd gamble and go for Yee because I think he's got a chance in medal. I think the others, they may well finish higher than him, but I don't think they'll medal. So with Ye, if he can get in the pack, there's a chance. Reasonable chance. With the other two, 
it, it's highly unlikely. Other two need to break away and a few things to go their way. Because you know much more about that sport than I do. So I, mm. I'm just thinking you because if we look at the results in the last period of time, he's been way more of a threat. As for the other th- and last weekend. Yeah, as for the other conversation we had um, around, sh- should you put Beth Potter in? So she is she broke, she did fourteen forty for a five k. She won one of the super leagues and finished second in the other, and is looking awesome. Uh, for whatever reason, she bombed out the weekend and did not finish. She was just missed a swim group, although a couple of people did make it that were swimming around her time. She was only ten seconds off. And it looks like she got dropped or something happened on the bike. She didn't make it, so she's not even a factor out of that race. But I still think that she is a potential game changer. So this is the problem, isn't it? Because it's such a it's four years. Mm. And do you take someone so they develop, they get an experience? Mm. Or you know? Normally you'd say that, but this year, this time around, it's not really gonna be experience, it's just gonna be another race. Yeah, but it's another Olympics. Mm. It is the Olympics, you know, like because the thing is I get it, you're not gonna have the crowds and all the rest of it, but it's it's the day where everyone turns up at their best. Mm. You know, and you only get that moment once every four years, don't you? Yeah. You know, so, so. I, I, I just as a job, well, I, I've got a lady who looks, does a lot of my work now. I've kind of offloaded a lot of my work. And she did the post. She obviously separated Brownlee to, to two words. Oh, um, yeah. And someone said, who did this? They go, Tommy Chanel's got, is Brownlee Bruce Lee's brother? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> you win, mate. He absolutely wins today. So I love your work, Toby. Um, okay, this week's discussion. Uh, does running an ultra distance marathon e.g. a double marathon or anything longer than that, appeal to you? And if so, why? And for those who have done them, how do they differ from Ironman racing? Hmm. Okay, that's a really good question. Uh, let's go website of the week. week. Okay, Jumbo. So this is absolutely brilliant. So, And I'm sure Thorsten's got a lot to do with this. So the PTO, uh, the professionaltriathletes.org, have now got on their website a, a page which is basically – a stats page, but then you can do head-to-heads with athletes against each other. So John's actually looked at Lucy Charles Barkley versus Paula Finlay. So let's have a look at this. Uh, before we go into this, this is just absolute gold. Yeah, this is what I've gold. been asking for for years. It's like I want somewhere I can go put an athlete's name, I want to see their results and something about them because these days you try to bloody find the information. When I'm doing interviews, hardly any of the web athletes have got websites to start with. They've got Instagram and social media, but actually going, well, where are your results? And then there's a few other sites that do bits and pieces. This is everything. It's absolute gold. So it's stats.protriathletes.org um, or you can just go through uh, protriathletes.org. Good old Kiwi gives us a number second. Yeah, and it's great. So um, as you said, Bevan, we're gonna, we, you, you just find athletes and we say, Lucy Charles, who did I say going up against? Uh, I think you had, I, I went away from that page, sorry. Uh, let's have a look. I think it was Charles Barkley. These were Charles Barkley versus uh, against, Paula Finlay. Paula okay. Finlay. Okay, well, I'm going to do it against Sarah Crowley because that's easy for me to click where I am. Okay. Uh, so what you're going to do is then it just has a side-by-side comparison uh, and when they've done the same races, where they've finished, um, what their times, swim times have been, what their bike times have been, what their run times have been. So when we look at Lucy Charles Barclay and she's got a 100% record over her in the run, which is hardly surprising. Uh, in terms of the overall sort of Ratio, she's won 71% of the time versus 28% for Sarah Crowley. Uh, and just gives you side-by-side comparison. And then, so let's say, okay, in Ironman Germany in 2017, Sarah Crowley 
was first and Lucy Charles was second, then it gives you a direct link off of that website, gives you all the results, all the splits and everything you need to know. And in that race, uh, she beat her by four minutes, courtesy of running a 3.05 for Sarah Crowley. And then you can go, okay, well, um, finished third in that race, Alexandra Tondeur, and got all her stats, age, um, weight, height, uh, biography, current ranking, ranking history, how they've sort of tracked over the year, and then it pulls up the rivals that she's been up against um, in recent times. So it is absolute gold, and it's made my life so much easier whenever we're going to do an interview, or, or you're at a race and you just want to go, oh, right, number four or six, you find out their, num- their name, and boom, you plug it in here, and you'll be able to find out um, what sort of record they've got. <coughs> It's just the little things as well. Like, you know, if I'm looking at Braden Curry right now. So you go to the Braden Curry page. It's got all his feeds, so it's YouTube, Insta, and all the rest of it. Mm. It's got a bit with just his sponsors, which are personalized to him. So it's got his main sponsors underneath all his kind of media stuff. It's got a biography, and it's a nice detailed written piece by someone who actually knows how to write a good piece. Uh, it's got its rankings throughout the history of the rankings. It's going and showing Cameron Worth is probably his biggest rival. You know, it's just, it's just, it's great. And then you, they've got every a, result they've had as a pro. Yeah, uh, their points rankings over the years, and it's got your Ironman results and your challenge results, and they'll do ITU and they'll do other yeah. other major races as well. Uh, you can also go in there and you can see the the fastest um, of all time in, in each discipline. So Jan Fredino uh, has got the fastest iron distance in front of Tim Don and Dre Australia, Lionel Sanders and Florian Angert. It's got all the swim splits, uh, all the bike splits, all the run splits. Doesn't have the, f- the fastest transition splits because your name would probably still be up there, Bevan. <laughs> Challenge yep. I wrote a few years ago. The fa- Imagine if it was. Imagine if it <laughs> <laughs> <Bevan> James Hiles. <laughs> Four of the fastest bike times of all time are from Andrew Starkowitz, which is pretty bloody impressive. Uh, so, thumbs up, PTO. You've pulled out a blinder here. I think this is a really valuable resource for everybody. It also gives the pros a a platform where they can just direct people to as well. Oh, and, um, it's just another like, step in the right direction, isn't it? Mm. You know, and this, you know, like again, I was saying earlier, pros taking over the sport and, and take, having a bigger influence on the sport and we're only in the early days. What does it look like 10 years from now? And mm. the fingers crossed, it just looks great because the engagement with the pros is so awesome. And and we, we love the, we love the life transformational stories. It's mm. a big part of our sport, but we should be looking to the top. While we're here, I also want to have a quick look at the current rankings because this has there's been some significant change uh, in yeah. the rankings. And so today's interview with uh, Magnus Ditlev, he's shot up 10 spaces like the European team. To make that, you have to be an absolute beast. Uh, so he's shot up. He's currently sitting in, sitting in third place. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, before they update the results, like the team... Top four, I think, was Jan Fredino, uh, Gustav Eden, Javier Gomez, uh, and Sebastian Keenlay, I think, or maybe uh, Alistair Brownlee was maybe in there as well. Can I ask, just, just quickly, can I ask, is it points guaranteed or does it, because I know they have their kind of team captains, does the captain choose? The top four is guaranteed and then... I think there's, another, then there's two other spots. Because it's like think. the Ryder Cup, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. there's six, six spots on each team. Okay. So you have got a few athletes here that are not currently in that top, top four. So in the European team, at the moment, Jan Fredino, Gustav Eden, Magnus uh, Ditlev and George Goodwin. However, there are a few athletes below them which have got uh, pretty good points and they haven't necessarily raced. So Alistair Brownlee, he's not actually 
listed as in the rankings, nor is Christian Blumenfeld or Vincent Louis, because they haven't actually done a long course race uh, in the specified period that you need to have done one oh, to be considered. Okay. So if Alistair Brownie did any sort of race, he'd probably jump in there. Um, so making that European team is going to be really tough. And I think what the cool thing about the, the rankings and the point system that Torsten and the team there have developed is it does help motivate you to go to the bigger races because you're more likely to get good points. To get good points. So I think it's uh, it's awesome that the Europeans are going to What do they be, get paid for being in the team? Uh, do they get a bonus for being in the top six? Yeah, hell yeah. Because remember, with this race, it's not prize money, the Collins Cup. It's basically an appearance fee, and it's determined on your ranking. Yeah, so, so if you can if you make the team, you're getting a good payday. Yeah, you're getting a good payday, and the higher your ranking is, the better your payday. Okay. So there's a strong motivation, and you you, you hear that later from Magnus Ditley. He's, he's, it's a big focus for him. Here's a question. Here's a question, which may be one of the problems with the Collins Cup, because <clears throat> there is that kind of um, continent pride, mm-hmm. but you don't get to who's the world champ. No, you don't. You know what I mean? Like, because I mean, how are they doing the formula of the race? So it's basically you'll have one athlete from the international, one from Team Europe, and one from Team USA, and you're going head to head. And at the time, I'm going, but now when I'm looking at the matchups. And how are they starting them? Are they starting like 15 minutes apart or something? There's something like that. I don't okay. know what the time so is. So there'll be lots of races happening at once. So you might have Sam Long versus uh, Lionel Sanders and Jan Fredino uh, going okay. head to head. Yeah. And now you're thinking, Maybe if I use a different example, say you used um, George Goodwin in, in there, in yeah, there yeah. going, it's a totally different race when you can't draft in a group. So some of those athletes that yeah. do exceptionally well in a draft, it's, it's going to be an individual time trial. Yeah. Uh, it it changes things quite significantly. Do you get bon- is it like bonuses if you win by so much? Yep, totally. So, so actually, it could be quite a cool event to watch because I was going to think it's going to be a bit tedious. But if they've got if they start them all about fifteen minutes apart. And you've got six different races happening. There's always going to be something you can look at. Mm. And you can't tank it either because I'm thinking, who's going to beat Jan Fredina? Nobody's going to beat Jan Fredina if he's on a good day. But if you lose by a long amount, you, you, the amount of points you get starts to decrease. Oh, this is exciting. So, so you're going, well, do we put Lionel Sanders up against Jan Fredina, who's probably got his chance of finishing closest to him, or do we put our sixth six strength athlete? But in he's going to get so smashed, and it's going to cost us more points. Yeah. So, uh, oh, can you? Uh, so it isn't just one versus one. You can determine. No, no. You, it's captain's pick. You decide who's going where. So I think they. But they, how do they do that? Do you? Yeah, you do a, a start. I believe it'll be like a any sort of draw at a World Cup or anything. You go right position number one, uh, Team Europe. You've got to name your person first, and then Team USA. You oh, name yours. So doing like a draft type of thing. And so it'll be a draft. So I'm actually getting more and more excited about this. And they're doing a lot right, aren't they? Mm. It's going to be good times. And, and you know what? I'm sure post it that we're going to go, oh, they got that bit wrong. Year one. Um, but yeah, exciting stuff. Okay, let's look at our sponsor. Beam. It creates quality, high quality functional supplements for better balance, performance, sleep and recovery. You go to check out beamtlc.com. It's only available to our North American listeners using the pro promo code IMTALK. Make sure you use promo codes when we give them to you guys because then they can see, ah, oh, yeah, these guys have come from there. So the Beam products are broken into balance, energy, recovery, and sleep. And one we really like the look of is the Dream product, uh, which is their product for sleep. It's a healthy take on a chocolate, hot chocolate that tastes warm and chocolatey with a cinnamon blend. Oh, that sounds uh, so good. It's made with compounds such as melatonin, magnesium, reishi, uh, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, it's also made with 
Beam's Nano CBD, which gives your body an increased ability to absorb CBD. Like all Dream's CBD products, Dream is THC free. So we talk about it quite a bit. THC is, if you smoke marijuana, it's what gets you high. Mm. But if you can improve your sleep, not just your training is going to be better, life is going to be better. So if you're struggling with sleep, check it out. Go to Beam tlc.com use promo code imtalk and then check out their whole range of other products well, it's, 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 it's an interesting thing like when i look at my life john I'm, I'm one thing i do well is i manage my energy mm-hmm. so like when i do my weekly meeting with bevan yeah um, present bevan. present i'm here, yep. definitely here that one's never gonna get old no no <laughs> it's genius but you know what is i plan my week around my energy mm-hmm. so like i know like i've learned about myself I'm really good at doing up to two and a half to three hours of work. Yeah. Once I go over three hours, I turn to custard. Yep. You know, I just, I'm not actually, I'm not functioning at a high level, starting to get distracted by stuff. The work I do is a bit messy. So why would I ever plan in my diary to do four hours of work? Mm-hmm. Like it's just stupid. And, you know, so what I do is I, I kind of block out my time based on energy, energy requirements. So like today I, I taught a class, I'll do this. And then after this, I'll stop meditating and have lunch. And then I'll do a few more hours of work and I'll stop and play piano. So it's just kind of trying to plan my time around how can I be having the best energy possible. And what I like about their products is it's kind of like you can use their products to help you with that as well. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, if you know you need a high energy period, you can go and get one of the supplements that's going to be, okay, I need a good focus energy period. Bang, use some of that supplement there. If you know you had a big training session, you're going to need some recovery, you can use your recovery supplements. Or you know you need sleep. And let's be honest, sleep's so important for high-functioning people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these supplements are here. And I like the way they've kind of subdivided what you need in your life, kind of like I do in my weekly meeting, mm-hmm. um, to make sure that you can function at a higher level. Because the person who tries to function at you know, high-energy work or high-demand work 24-7 – they never do. They mm. never actually get there at all. Mm. And that's why it's their ability to use tools like this and, and like my weekly meeting to help you just balance out your life so you can be a higher performer and be more present in the thing you're doing more often. Is lunch still toast with avocado on it? No, 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 no. I've never had that. Lunch is, no, that's, you have that? No, breakfast. Breakfast. Sorry. Breakfast. So breakfast is, no, I don't really have the avocado. Oh, it's a seasonal. Yeah, well, you should go to Funky Pumpkin. Oh, really? Why so I, I, breakfast is hummus tomato on mm-hmm. toast mm-hmm. and then a little bit of a, te- a teaspoon of um, peanut butter right and then a protein shake peanut butter shortage apparently are going to come to New Zealand oh, with no. fix and fog oh no this I'm cheap that. I'm not oh. Peter <laughs> It's not peanut butter, that's just sugar. We might as well get a teaspoon of sugar and pour it over your bloody stuff. Come on, man. No, I, I gave the, you I some fish and fog a you while did. ago. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. You know, I did one issue with it. What? Well, the problem is all the oil's at the top. So you get to the bottom and it was dry. Oh, you need a little mix before yeah, you start. You do, yeah, that's my fault. But I didn't know. You didn't yeah. tell me. You gave okay. me the present. I was like, this is beautiful. Had distractions on the side. But I heard an interview yesterday and they've got a peanut shortage coming to New Zealand. Oh, can't, no. Bloody all the boats are stuck everywhere. And so if you're a Fix and Fog fan, we've got some issues, team. We've got some issues. Well, the good thing is you've got to Beam. <laughs> get some of that hot chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> hot cinnamon chocolate. They'll do really well. So again, if you want to get Beam, go to beamtlc.com. The checkout code is I am talk for our North American listeners. John Bo, we've got an interview coming up. We have Magnus Detlev. Here he comes. Righty-ho, team. Uh, so, if you've been watching any of the, the challenge races around the track, the Daytona or um, 
Miami or you watched uh, Ironman 70.3 St. George lately, you would have seen Magnus Ditlev absolutely spanking everybody on the bike and putting in some very good performances, finishing third in St. George, sixth in um, Miami, and he's also had a win on the 70.3 circuit, having only been in the sport for a couple of years. So Magnus, welcome along to the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, where, where you're from? Uh, you, you, you're the second Dane we've had in two weeks. So we we spoke to one of your compatriots uh, a couple of weeks or last week. So so tell us a bit bit about yourself. Where you're from and uh, where your hometown is and so on. Yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, I'm living and uh, born in Denmark. Uh, not quite the same place as uh, Daniel you interviewed last time. He's uh, based in a city called Odense, whereas I'm uh, training and living in uh, Copenhagen. So we're not like training together. Uh, yeah. And, and what's, you know, you're really new to the sport. Um, so tell us what you were doing before triathlon. Yeah, I actually, I had my first uh, triathlon race in 2016. So I've only been in the sport for uh, around five years. Uh, and before that, I, <clears throat> it's not like I've been <laughs> a competitive swimmer or bike rider or anything. So like in uh, primary school and growing up there, I just uh, played a lot of soccer and uh, badminton. But then it was as if uh, like uh, the transition between uh, primary and uh, high school, everybody else from uh, my football uh, soccer team they started more like going into parties and uh, being uh, <laughs> social all the time, whereas I was more focused on uh, sports. So suddenly I had no team because everybody <laughs> had left. And then I, uh, I didn't know what to do with all my, uh, <laughs> my energy. So I started, uh, I actually bought uh, a mountain bike and started riding uh, uh, yeah, pretty much everywhere. Uh, uh, in the forest and on the roads uh, and when we were on holidays I rode with my dad and such so that was like the first time I got experience with uh, like proper bike training and then uh, when I got to high school uh, there were two uh, elite runners from my uh, that I got to uh, to go to school with in my class and then they found out that I was like cycling and stuff and so they said uh, maybe you should come and join our uh, athletic club and uh, train with us. So that I did, and <laughs> I hadn't like I had been running a little bit besi uh, uh, besides that before, but I was terrible. <laughs> so they like yeah they I was just completely dead after every training. They had they really did some heavy track workouts and stuff that I I was not. Uh, prepared to do that so every time we had like trainings tuesday thursday and saturday with the really heavy interval training and <laughs> my body was just smashed after every session so <laughs> but that was how i got into running and then uh, earlier on i had been swimming a little bit so one day it just uh, i don't know why actually but i signed up for a half distance <laughs> ironman I thought that would be pretty cool to do that because the uh, local uh, Ironman in Denmark, Ironman Copenhagen, goes just by where I live. So I've, I have been like spectating there. And then I thought I would <laughs> try to do a half distance. And 
I did that and uh, it went not really good. I, I think I walked more uh, than I ran during the half marathon, but yeah, and I told myself never to do it again. But then one week later, I had signed up for a new one, and that was like how I got into the sport. Where would life have maybe taken you if you if it wasn't for triathlon? Like, were you looking at studying, or were you studying? Yeah, yeah. Or? So uh, at first, it was uh, I started training uh, more like structured during high school, as I said, uh, and then. Uh, in Denmark, high school is three years. Mm-hmm. So when I finished that, I was still uh, an age grouper and not really, I wasn't very good. So I thought it would be best <laughs> to start going to uh, university directly. So I actually have a bachelor uh, degree in uh, chemical engineering uh, that I took. Uh, so it was a bit, a little bit difficult when, uh, because when I started going to university, I also started training more and more. Uh, so, yeah, la- I've decided to take a break between <laughs> the bachelor and uh, the master to focus uh, 100% on the sport now. So that's uh, the only thing I'm doing is training at the moment. <laughs> did you consider doing short course racing at all? I mean, you went straight into a half Ironman, but did yeah, you short course? Yeah, I think it's, it's like the way I got into the sport where... I've never been in touch with any uh, federational uh, programs or anything apart from now. Uh, so also because I have no swimming background, I've never uh, had the uh, yeah the swimming level to, to do that. So it has never been a thought. Uh, maybe it could be pretty cool to go backwards now and do some some Olympic distances uh, where my swim is getting better and better. So, but not not at the, the beginning. I was not. Very good. So. Your swim um, in St. George looked quite good. You know, I mean, when I look back at your results from 2020, it's not like you were at the mm. back in the swim, but has your swim improved significantly over the last um, year or so? Yeah, so definitely after Daytona, uh, I was two and a half minutes <laughs> behind the front uh, in Daytona. So with my coach and I just... Uh, sat down and really evaluated my we went back to the basics with all my swim uh, and evaluated the strokes with like video filming and so when i got back uh, after daytona i had like a two-week off season and when i got it back into the pool we started completely from the beginning with like i only swam maybe 25 meters uh, at a time and then took a break and got some feedback from my coach and then tried 25 meters more. And then one week later, I could maybe swim 50 meters with uh, the better uh, stroke technique that we wanted to implement. And then next week, 100. And so we built it up really slowly, only focusing uh, on technique. And it was only maybe a few weeks before uh, Miami where I actually started doing uh, intensity otherwise it has just been focused on uh, my technique Excellent. so I had a, in Miami I was one and a half minute down and then here in St. George I was actually with the front pack so I think it, it I was really happy about that 
Excellent. So, so talk us through, um, you know, some of your races like Daytona, you, you ended up finishing in 14th place, but you, you made, the, mm. made it to the front quite quickly. So maybe talk us through the differences in, say, your performance in racing in Daytona compared to, say, St. George when you're out on the road. Yeah, so in Daytona, I, like I said, I had a really bad swim. Uh, so I had to uh, ride quite hard at the first to catch the front. But when I jumped onto my bike, the bottle where I had all my nutrition in yeah. <laughs> blew out of the cage. So I ended up doing the uh, uh, six, 80 kilometers <laughs> without any nutrition at all. <laughs> and I thought that might be a problem <laughs> when I was riding because it's pretty hard to catch uh, bottles when you're going around in uh, on a uh, race circuit with 50 kilometers an hour. So yeah. I only managed to get in a little bit of water from the aid stations. And then I started running and actually I felt really good the first three kilometers. I had just uh, overtaken Rudy and was running in third place and started thinking, okay, maybe it's not too bad after all. But then out of nowhere, uh, like 100 meters later, um, both my hamstrings just cramped up big time. So I thought at that moment, I thought I wouldn't even be able to like get through. But I, yeah, then I switched a bit and took, I had a gel uh, in my suit and <laughs> got to run again. But it was like every time I tried to up the pace, uh, the cramps would come back. So I felt like I was running on the limit to... <laughs> Otherwise, my legs would cramp. Uh, so also, it's yeah, as you said, it's a completely different experience uh, racing on a track compared to the one in uh, St. George. And that's also one of the things that played in, I think, that when you ride uh, round and round uh, in a circuit without any corners at all, you are constantly in the arrow position and constantly having to put pressure on the pedals, no brakes at all. So it puts a big demand on your back. And uh, yeah, I think also that was maybe uh, one of the reasons to to the cramps. And, and, and in St. George, you know, that's your most recent race um, mm -hmm. and you did fantastically well. Um, we, we, is, what's your mindset in, the, in a race like that? You're up against uh, quite a few of the best athletes in the world. You know, are you, are you there to win or are you there just focusing on what you're doing? So, so talk us through, I guess, your race from a swim, bike and run and also what you were thinking as you were going through the race. Yeah, so I was definitely there to go for the win. I knew it would be difficult, but I also knew that if everything went uh, if I, you know, solved all my the tasks I had to solve during the race, I would be in the mix. Uh, and the first one was to have a good start of the swim uh, and be in the f uh, the front pack uh, going into T two uh, T one, uh, and that I was. So I was really pleased with that. So it also gave me some. Uh, I was a bit more relaxed going onto the bike. So normally in. Uh, Daytona and Miami, I would have to make a big search to bridge uh, the gap to the to the front. But here I was already <laughs> in the front. So instead of uh, using my uh, bike to like limit uh, <laughs> the losses <laughs> and bridge the gap to the front, I I was able to use it to attack uh, and make a, a gap towards the uh, to the others uh, on one of the first hills. Uh, 
the route in St. George is pretty hilly, so there was quite a big hill after five kilometers where I, uh, yeah, I attacked and then I just, Rudy was with me there and we drove together on the bike uh, until uh, like we hit uh, the main climb after 60 kilometers where I knew that the plan was also to ride a little conservatively going uh, like if you hit the climb after 60 kilometers with the saw legs already there, then you, you can lose a lot of time. But on the other hand, if you have something left in the tank, you're really, you can really make a big difference. So that was what I tried to do. Uh, and I, I dropped uh, Rudy on the climb with like one minute and yeah, I had a one minute lead going into to, uh, T2. And then uh, the plan was because we had talked that I talked with my coach and we figured that I might <laughs> have a, a lead going into T2. So, uh, and in, in uh, Daytona and Miami, I've been, <laughs> uh, my run hasn't been very well. So this time we tried to, uh, to say that I have to run until 13 kilometers, very uh, conservatively, not thinking about what anybody else is doing, only focusing on my own pace. Uh, and then it uh, it it was uh, at the 13 kilometer mark where the others caught me, so that was perfect. And nice. then I knew that uh, yeah, yeah. Then I had like uh, the opportunity to to run with them, but then on the last uh, the route <laughs> the run route is also very hilly, and going up the last uh, very steep hill, Sanders and. Uh, Sam and Daniel, they dropped me on the hill, which I was, <laughs> I think that's the only thing I, that could have gone a little better maybe that if they caught me a little later, then maybe I could have uh, have uh, like survived the hill. And then it was just downhill from there and I'm a pretty tall guy. So maybe I could have uh, like uh, kept with them on the downhill. But otherwise I think I played uh, uh, the cards perfectly. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Am I correct? You're 195 centimeters and 79 kgs. So that's quite a bit bigger than some of those boys. Yeah, I could feel it on the uphills. That, uh, yeah, Sam was also struggling a bit uh, going uphill. So I think we are pretty much the same. Maybe I'm a little bit higher than him, but otherwise we are like the same stature. What, what um, you know, your bike splits are pretty amazing. So, you know, 201 on on a bike course like St. George, you know, you're more or less averaging 45 kilometers per hour. Um, mm. What sort of power are you producing across that, that two hours? Uh, I think uh, on the route like that, it's more you have to look at normalized power uh, because there are some places where you're not pushing at all. Uh, so normalized, I think I had uh, 375 or something like that. Yeah, wow. And <laughs> is there any communication between you and Rudy during the ride? You know, you were both uh, right at the front and pulling away from the others. Do, do you talk at all or you just kind of do your yeah, thing? Yeah, and... <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, when I ca caught the front group, I could see Rudy was maybe 20 seconds. Uh, he had already attacked him. Uh, which I, I knew that Rudy would be someone to like stick to on a course like this because he's very good uh, on technical courses and hard courses. 
so I, I thought that I had to close that gap, uh, which uh, was there. Therefore, I attacked uh, the, the front group and go up to him. Uh, and then I, I was riding behind him for maybe five minutes or 10 minutes just to get a breath after the search. Uh, and I drove by him and there was no communication there. And then he overtook me on one of the fast downhill uh, technical sections. Uh, but then on, <laughs> on one of the climbs, he went out of uh, his bars and said, let's go. And <laughs> then I was like, okay, <laughs> let's go then. And then, then uh, yeah, that was why I, I made the, the move on him. <laughs> Very good. So um, talk us through you, 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 what training looks like for you, you know, on a weekly basis and, and mm. also how that's changed since you've sort of got a coach and how it's different to what you were doing previously. Yeah. So previously, uh, I should say I got my, uh, I started triathlon training in 2016. Uh, there I was self-coached <laughs> and that was not very pretty because I've always been having the mindset of either you do something, uh, you don't do it, or otherwise you do it 100%. So at that time, I think I overtrained <laughs> quite a lot and thus I didn't improve very much. But then in uh, 2018, I got uh, the coach, uh, Jens Petersen back. Uh, he's also a pro triathlete. Uh, and he lives uh, in Copenhagen as well. And he, he sees me every day. And I actually, I train with him also every day. So yeah, we could probably make a podcast about our relationship because that's, uh, yeah, it's really, he means a lot to me. And he's definitely <laughs> the main reason uh, that I've, I've improved so much. He's, yeah, he's very good at uh, reading the signals I'm giving him <laughs> both uh, directly and indirectly and holding me back because I, <laughs> I think I, I, if it was up to myself, I would probably push a bit too hard. Uh, but uh, the training we do is quite inspired quite a lot uh, by the Norwegians. So we have a very large uh, volume and uh, quite strict uh, intensity, con intensity control. Uh, we do a lot of uh, threshold. So on a weekly basis, uh, I think I'm when I'm training training uh, towards an event like St George. I would be between yeah maybe 35 hours a week, sometimes more and sometimes a little less, depends on yeah where I, I am uh, in the block. But then we train uh, like uh, four, three to five weeks of hard training, and then one recovery week. Uh, and on the swim. We do, uh, I swim six times a week normally with uh, three easy swims and one uh, sprint session, one VO2 max session and one uh, uh, threshold session with the uh, yeah, longer thresholds in, threshold intervals. Uh, and my running, I've been uh, <laughs> hit by a car in 2018. So I had a a very long period uh, where I broke, uh, uh, where I didn't run because I'd broken my shoulder and uh, collarbone. So I actually only started like structured run training after that in uh, 
uh, autumn of 2019. So that we've, we've been built my uh, run up very slowly, but at the moment I'm running 90 kilometers a week uh, with two uh, threshold sessions and uh, one longer run and then some easy runs in between. And uh, the bike is also, that's because of the period where I couldn't run. Uh, I was biking every day uh, on Swift. Uh, I think I had a streak of uh, 120 days uh, where I biked <laughs> because I just, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't run. So the only thing, I couldn't swim either. So the only thing I could do was to sit on my home trainer. So I have a, I've built quite a big uh, biking like uh, base, so I can handle quite a big bike volume. So I almost uh, bike every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Did you get into Zwift a lot uh, during sort of lockdowns and in the big parts of COVID or in in the racing and things like yeah. that? Yeah, uh, I haven't like been doing the Zwift uh, racing yet, but. Uh, uh, here when I live in Denmark, the weather half of the year is uh, quite terrible. So uh, I do <laughs> a lot of swift uh, training during the, the winter. Yeah, very good. Um, in terms of how you choose your races, so, you know, you've done quite a lot of challenge races. You've done all the ones on the track. Um, how do you go about deciding which races you'll go to? Uh, I think... Uh, I'm relatively new, so I'm still trying to, as a, you know, try some different events and find out. But I definitely think that courses like St. George uh, suit me the best, where I have a, uh, a hard bike course. Uh, it's a lot easier to make, to use uh, a high bike level uh, on harder courses. Uh, when you're going around in a track and uh, with the uh, yeah, 50 kilometers an hour, the draft zone is quite big. So it can be pretty tough to drop the other guys. Uh, so definitely uh, courses with a hard bike ride uh, suits me best. And then I also uh, think that uh, what motivates me is not going to a small smaller race and uh, maybe winning it's i want to see my level <laughs> compared to the best guys and race the best guys so i try to pick the uh, the larger events too uh, that's really what makes me uh, yeah hungry nice and you know there's still a lot of uncertainty around this year and maybe even next year with covid um but at this stage what's your your plan for the rest of this year uh, yeah, as you say, it's pretty difficult to predict anything really. But uh, after the result in St. George, I've actually moved up in the PTO ranks quite a bit. So I'm now in third place, which makes me uh, yeah, qualified by the Collins Cup. Uh, before St. George, I thought it would be quite difficult to get a spot there because Team Europe is <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, it's really tough to, to get in there. But right now, uh, that's my like my main goal uh, is to to get to the Collins Cup, uh, and if I do that, then uh, I'm also qualified for seventy point three worlds, and they are pretty close to each other. So if I if I also get to race Collins Cup, I think it it actually fits quite well with maybe racing one or two events uh, the next uh, yeah month or so. 
just uh, there is an European Championship on home soil. Uh, hopefully, that will go along uh, in Ilsinor. And then after that, uh, take uh, like a very big block of training towards Collins Cup and uh, 70.3 Worlds. So that, that's my uh, my plan at the moment. But it, yeah, it can change. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I've, I've been looking at the Collins Cup um, rank or the rankings, the PTO rankings. You've moved up 10 places mm. to third, but yeah. that's, uh, it's very, very close. And it, yeah, it is. And a lot depends on what Brownlee and Vincent Louis and Christian Blumenfeld. And yeah, yeah but, uh, it would be awesome to see you, see you racing there. Um, when, you, when you're in a race, are you racing to power and pa- or pace or, or are you racing by feel? Um, I'm actually quite a <laughs> scientific uh, guy, so I I like to use uh, my power meter during the bike if I'm riding alone. But uh, otherwise, I just on the bike try to react on on the race really, and not just say, okay, I have this fixed uh, wattage that I'm going to uh, to do all the way and and see where I'm in T2. I, I, I like to be in the race. And if that means that I have to make a big search of this at the start of the bike, then, then I will do that. So it's more when you're racing pro, <laughs> I think you have to be more, yeah, just react on the, on the race. And uh, yeah, on the run, actually, uh, I started, uh, I've been training with the stride uh, sensor. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't used really been using it for racing, but uh, I thought it would be quite uh, interesting to try and use it in St. George because it's a very hilly course and it can be uh, pretty difficult to uh, gauge the effort you're, you're doing when you're running uphill. Mm-hmm. So you can very easily uh, burn out <laughs> on the because the first five kilometers on on the run course in St. George was pretty much just uphill all the way. So there I tried to, I knew approximately what wattage uh, I would be able to, to run with. And so I just tried to stick to that going uphill uh, and downhill also. So that actually meant that when I hit the uh, top of the climb on the run course first, I really, otherwise earlier I, <laughs> I would maybe have trouble getting, uh, you know, the legs going again on the uphill, uh, on the uh, on the flat on the top and then downhill but this time i had i really felt like i had a good flow also on the top and going down so it's uh, yeah it was quite funny to uh, to try to run uh, on power but then when uh, when sanders and uh, daniel and sam they came along then uh, i just said fuck it and <laughs> i tried to, to run with them and i can see on the power file afterwards that it spikes uh, Quite a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, your run was yeah, it was good. It was one sixteen, so not as fast as the one elevens for Sanders yeah. and Sam Long, but still a good step in the right direction. So, um, a couple of final questions: um, Do you wax or shave your legs? <laughs> uh, I shave. Shave. Still not anybody that waxes except for me. Um, no. fa- facial moisturizer. Do you use it or not? No. No, good. <laughs> and if you wanted to run a, a fresh marathon, so, uh, you know, a straight marathon and you gave yourself maybe six or nine months to train for it, what do you think you might be able to run for a fresh marathon? Oh, that's, uh, that, 
tough question because uh, actually my uh, pure running is <laughs> is quite quite good but because i haven't been training i've already been training uh, very structured for like two to three years so that means my endurance on the run is not where my like speed is at the moment so i think that when you are not when you don't have the bike <laughs> before i my running is actually hmm, maybe between two yeah two twenty maybe yeah nice and um the only thing i haven't asked about is is iron man on the the agenda at all or are you sticking to the, the half iron mans for the time being um i have made a, a deal with my coach that i i get to to race iron man when i've won 70.3 worlds <laughs> nice so, uh, i have to i think uh, yeah depends on when i win <laughs> yeah very good and any plugs you've got for for any sponsors or any anything you're you've got coming up that you want to promote uh no i think uh, it has been a good talk and i'm happy that you wanted to <laughs> you reached out Cool. And if people want to follow you, um, are you on social media much or what's the best way for people to follow you? Yeah, I think uh, the best way is probably, uh, yeah, just Instagram. Yeah, it's the way it is. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Um, You you bring an awesome awesome components the racing and i love watching you tearing it up on the bike so all the best with the rest of the season and and i hope you you make the collins cup because you yeah, think you make the you'd make a real <laughs> difference in the in the for our spectators so thanks for your time yeah thanks for having me thank you jumbo your thoughts well we're seeing some consistent themes coming through here bevan uh first one is uh we're still not finding holy crap weather update. <laughs> Bevan's <laughs> house is about to blow down. It's, it's huffing and puffing, and uh, anyway, because uh, uh, consistent themes coming through. The pros are not waxing their legs; they're shaving. Oh, did you? I ask? don't think we've had. You've even asked that in a long I, time. I have asked that in the last two. Still, still no uh, waxes out there. Uh, facial moisturizer is not in for Team Denmark very much. Oh, really? And also. Yeah, most of the pros are not using power meters like us age groupers when they're racing. They're just saying it's really not practical when you're on a pace line. If they're out on their own and and, and in a breakaway, then they'll use it. But otherwise, say just got to race by feel and and go. But with they are the race racing. That's the difference, isn't it? And that twenty that ten meter draft, twelve meter draft zone, I think it is uh, now. As I've repeatedly reported, it's it's you're drafting and you can't. You can go and show us all the stats and stuff, but it's like. You're drafting. We're freewheeling in there some of the time. Granted, at times, you're absolutely cranking it, but it's difficult to get away from a 12-metre group. So, but Magnus Stitlev, look out for him because he's uh, he is improving and improving pretty Real quickly. Deal. And it's going to be sticking with the 70.3s, as you heard, but when he does come across to Ironman, uh, eventually, once he's won the 70.3 World Champs, then he uh, could be a weapon. Here's a question for you. Mm. Who is the most... The effort you're most excited about coming to Ironman too, who hasn't done it yet? Uh, well, he, this guy would be would be probably right up there, I think, because he's just such a weapon on the bike and he's improving his swim, and so he's going to have this gigantic lead and he can run, um, not at the highest standard yet, but uh, so I'd say he's going to be one of the most exciting coming through in the next Anyone little else? while. Um, Oh, let's have a think about the ITU. If, if Flora Duffy comes across, I'm looking forward to that. Who, who do you think from the, this bunch of Olympic athletes who will kind of move away from short course? You always look at the ones that bike well. So Martin Van Riel, he's he's got the full package. And he's really strong on the R- bike. What a Richard Murray? 
Richard Murray's got a heart condition. He's gone ski. Oh, really? He's yeah. gone? Like, gone, gone? Not not dead, gone. No, no, but um, hasn't gone from the sport. Well, I haven't been following it closely, but I was just talking to somebody else and I heard them mention it the other, on the, the, the coverage the other day. Because he would be a good Ironman, wouldn't he? Uh, probably would be. I think he'd be good at everything. He was killing it during lockdown. He ran some amazing yeah, 10K. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I a YouTube that's channel. extremely unfortunate. So I'm not sure if he's getting operated on. I'm not quite sure, but not sounding great. Oh, great. Uh, Wanger of the week. week. I never pick a six going, so I'm going to do 66. 66. Oh, scroll, is, is scroll, it Emily, Emily Petzer? Emily Petzer. Tell you what, Emily Petzer, you look like a happy person. She swam two hours last week. She ran a road five hours, 10 minutes, and ran seven hours and 22 minutes from 12 activities for a total of 14 hours and 34 minutes. She looks pretty happy in a relationship. Oh, Her and a partner got big smiley photos. Got the dog photo. They obviously did a race somewhere. They got a, they've got a before and after mask photo wherever they are. They're from Littitz, uh, Litt- Pennsylvania. Littitz, Pennsylvania. Littitz. This just sounds wrong, John. Yeah. And one day ago, she did a PR on the mini climb to North Oak Street, three minutes and twenty-one seconds. That's absolutely awesome. You rock, girl. She's a consistent trainer too. And February she had a week off, but you can kind of see her training program, can't you? Because she has a three on, one off, three on, one off, three on, and then lately she's just been in beast mode. So, yeah, she's it's near. I'm scrolling out. It's quite a long way from Philadelphia. That's about the only place I know in Pennsylvania. Is Philadelphia in Pennsylvania? I think it is. Boys to men were from Philadelphia, weren't they? Big pun. Boys to men. They were from Would Philadelphia. Couldn't tell you that. Motown, Motown's Philly, isn't it? Back again. Oh, no, it was Motown Detroit. Oh, I don't know, John. <laughs> okay, John, that's uh, Memily Pizza. You are the uh, wanger, wanger of the week. week. Okay, John, questions and answers. So we found this guy, Adrian, and he's doing an amazing challenge. So he just finished it. Yeah, well, yeah. he was, yeah. So basically, he's attempting to break the world record for the longest triathlon. A current record stands at 6,952 kilometres. I'm going for a 7,500 kilometres. I have to start with a 1,420k swim, continuous swimming. No, running. Oh, running, so followed by cycling, then swim. Okay. Yeah. And then a 5,800k bike, followed by a 225k swim. I'm not sure if it's quite continuous. Well, no, there's my comments in there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's finished it, and I'm always one, you play by the rules. The rules might not always be right. Yeah. So this guy went through all the, the stages to, to get this qualified as a Guinness World yep. Record longest ever triathlon, which stood at 6,952, and he's increased that to 7,500 and something. Um, and as Bevan said, he started off with a run, 1,420 kilometres, then did 5,800 kilometres of cycling, and then finished with 225 kilometres of uh, What is continuous then? Well, that's, that's what I was trying to do. If I hear continuous, I think he doesn't sleep. No, it's far from that. And, to, and so he's, he's done it. It's spread over a long period of time. So I had a quick look at his numbers there. And, he, and in terms of his bike riding, so he did 5,800 kilometres. It was spread between December 19th and February 16th, which is around about 58 days, which looks like he's doing around 100 kilometres a day for 58 days. Still a great achievement, but it's not really continuous. Well, surely what the Iron Cowboy's doing right now is more than that. Yeah, and so running, but it's not continuous. He's doing a swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run. Oh, so it's continuous because you're doing the one thing. Yes. Oh. And so you can't, I guess you can't sneak in a little. Uh, the little the bike word ride continuous is a bit confusing here. It is. Because you kind of think, I just thought, like, imagine if you, you couldn't sleep. Yeah. You know, how, what, or, or if, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. You couldn't do it without not sleeping. No, but that could be the challenge. Mm. How, you know, because they do those Navy SEAL, you know, stay awake for 12 day kind of things. Mm. 
you, you probably people would die, it'd be stupid, but mm. what would be the longest someone could do continuously without a rest, mm. without a stop? So I think the rules need to be tightened up a bit here because when he was doing the runs, he was doing about 30 k's a day. And it's impressive. When you're biking 100 k's a day for 58 days yeah. or whatever it was and you're doing 30 k's a day running, that's also impressive. But I just think, how would you define continuous? Because you couldn't do this continuous. It's not possible. No. But And he's obviously just, as you said, He's done runs, but all sort of continuous, so he hasn't had any other stuff in between. But it's like almost like a I long. Don't, I don't want to undermine day. a great achievement, but this probably isn't the but way. He's playing by the rules, so I'm thinking great. Good yeah, on but, him. but it's probably not the hardest challenge. No, you know, running thirty k. Don't get me wrong, running thirty k is not easy. Yeah, you know, for fifty eight days. But what Iron Cowboy's doing right now is way harder. I would have thought, yeah, there'd have to be, there needs to be some more specifics in there, like minimum distances per day or I don't know how you'd yeah. quite do it because you could you say oh, you're only allowed to have eight hours off a day or I'm not sure but anyway he's done it it's a good on him because people could just train that mm. there's lots of people who do 100k biking all the time mm. yeah hey, hey, don't get me wrong guys and he was quite neat to say I watched the video he's, 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 yeah. a, he's a character yeah. you know and he's, he's doing his bit and I think he's got like a little business tourism yeah. business for triathlon so awesome achievement I don't want to because like I haven't done it. Yeah. It's easy to sit here and say, oh, that's easy to do. Um, awesome achievement. Just a little bit confused around the terminology mm. around it, but still awesome stuff. Okay, John, let's say thank you to our patrons. We've got Nathan, um, the Mighty Mole Reagan. How do you say his last name? Andrew Castadini? Castaldi. Castaldi, because got the Glasgow kiss. Because he was, I remember him being a baldy. I remember his photo coming in. Because the Glasgow kiss is a hit, buddy. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> David, no need, Christy. I uh, also say a big thank you to our sponsor. It's Beam. Remember, they create high quality functional su- supplements for better balance, performance, recovery, and sleep. Just go to discount code IMTalk at checkout. Uh, also, if you want to get the show emailed to you, go to our front page. Down the bottom, put your information in. This week you can also become a patron. Thank you for everyone who is a patron. Uh, coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. My podcast, Bevan James Oz. I released one yesterday. I did one on um, an interview with a guy called Yuri, but I also did um, dealing with anxiety, which mm-hmm. is good. Uh, AH Group of the Week, cool websites, other feedback. I am podcast at gmail.com. John, your goss. Well, with the latest weather report, it's really packed in. Yep. It's not looking good. So good I'm thing about Southerly is it goes quickly. It does. So I'm like, normally I bike up to Bevan's place and then go out for a ride afterwards and I've normally done my swim um, in the morning. Today I did that interview at 10 past five this morning. I, I got out, see that. Got out of bed at five. Because I was, I was getting ready for the gym and I was, look, I was just looking at the notes doing my prep before the show and 10 past five, I was like, oh, John, you're up right now. <laughs> got out of bed at five, rolled down the hallway, <laughs> made sure I was awake for the interview. Hopefully I was sounding like I was awake. Uh, no, I'm not, not a big coffee drinker. Oh, you don't do it, you're not? No. Even in the morning? No, it's no, just a big glass of water. Gets do you me. have a hot drink at all in the morning? No, no. Oh, I love a hot drink. No. So cosy. Yeah, did a bike. Bevan, this is not going to mean much to you, but I, so I jumped on Zwift after doing the uh, interview and... Got my hundred kilometer an hour badge on Zwift, so I was I went hundred kilometers an hour down How the hill. Do you do that? Well, so here's <laughs> a t- tip you're of the day. A bike. It's a tip of the day. If you want to get this badge, this is how you do it. Um, you've got to get the right power up, and so for the Zwift users, you know what I mean. You want to get the Aero helmet one. So when you get that, Bevan, a power up. When you're riding along, you press your, your space bar or you press a button on your phone and your power-up will be engaged. And it might be with the, the Aero helmet, it means you're more aerodynamic for whatever it is, 15 okay. seconds, okay. you go quicker. Or you can get one that's a, a climbing one and you're lighter and then there's another one that's like a double draft and, and so on and so on. But you never know what you're going to get. And, there's, and so you go through this point and you go, you're going to get a, a power-up and I got the one I needed. So I thought, sweet, that gives me a chance. Yeah. 
you got to climb up to the top of the radio tower, which is sort of a really steep climb. Yep. And then uh, I changed my bike over to my new Cube. I've uh, got a new Cube yep. Aero bike, uh, so it's a TT bike. Changed that over. Changed my to my race wheels, yeah. deep deep run race so wheels. So you just do it randomly, or do you have to stop? I had and to pull over and stop, oh, and then you change, change your, your, gear. your car came up behind, and yeah, you know. did my did my quick gear change, and then you've got to get your then you've got to go do this downhill, and you got to start building it up. And then you just got to press your spacebar on your computer or on your phone, so your power ups enabled. And then you've just got to go full on sprint. And I'm not sure what power up put I had to hit. Uh, and you've got to be on like 17, 18 percent. You've got to time it exactly right. Yeah. And then I made it finally. I've t- I've tried it maybe three or four times and yeah. haven't quite done it. Got everything right today. Oh, Tick that box. Let's get a new badge. So that how was, many badges you got? I've got most of them. Uh-huh. Most of them. They should sell t-shirts. I'm sure they do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have all your badges, like scouts. People love that stuff. Yeah. We love a badge. Humans are so simple. We love a badge. Yeah. So that was my morning today. And then I'm going to go off and do a swim after this. Today's swim set. John, swim set. No, we've done that in a while. Right, I'm People, I've been getting emails every day. People complaining. I'll make it up now because I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm going to do a 400 warm up. Then I'll do some, some kicking and some drills. And then I'm going to do three 400s to send one to three. So that's getting progressively quicker. Then I'll do 100 IM. Then I'll do three 200s to send one to three. That's getting quicker. 100 IM. And then three 100s to send one to three. And then I'll warm down. And that should be hopefully getting up towards 3K. Back in the pool, Bevan. It's exciting times. Uh, what, are, what other gosses is there? We do a strip tease, uh, a male Back strip tease on Friday night. <laughs> I went to the court theatre. And oh, was, okay. And was it good? It wasn't our best one. What was it? What was it called? Uh, ladies' night. Ladies' night. Yeah. And so what's the premise? Someone dies or something? No, no. Just some some guys get together and uh, they're sort of no hopers and they. Oh, so it's a bit of like a, a, a what's that one that movie? Mon- uh, yeah, yeah. Full Monty. Full Monty. A little bit like that, uh, vaguely, and they come up to get a strip tease at the end. Yeah. And uh, did yeah. they get the wingers out? They didn't get the wings oh. out. G's came out and there wasn't a lot of males in the audience. <laughs> so Because we go to the court theatre. You, are you a member? We are. And you, okay. you get to pick like five or six shows yep. a year. And we just sort of picked that one. I was like, yeah, it wasn't the best. And Blunder didn't think it was the best either. Uh, then I went and did Park Run the next morning. So it was on Friday night. Did you win? Uh, no, I was second, but it was a terrible time. Uh, so, and I was lining up at Park Run, and the one in Christchurch, probably three or four hundred people do it now. Yeah. And I saw one of the main characters from the oh, really? from the night before. I thought, oh, yeah. Seen you naked? Yeah. Well, not your winger, but everything else. Yeah. So that was my weekend. What's the best play you've seen? Well, the best show I've seen recently was Jersey Boys, and that's not a play; it's a yeah. musical. Yeah. That was uh, that was awesome. Yeah, that, I saw that in New York. That was amazing. Mm. So I love what they did when they did the singing to the crowds. When they hear the lights, you know, when you saw the, they're doing the, the backs facing you, but the right, yeah, I thought they were so clever. Mm. Yeah, oh, that was very good. Bevan, what was uh, what was in your agenda over the weekend? Well, the band played oh, again, John. How did the confrontation go? Well, this is what we want to know. Who cares about well, how the band did the and if you performed well? Well, when we left the show last week, you just committed to going and you hadn't told Joe. I and you had, a, you had another commitment. No, you were going my, to a my, birthday my party. Was awesome. She was great. It actually worked out fine because we weren't playing till 10. So it worked out well. My wife's, she's my wife's a tough enough. No, she's, she's awesome. I've got the best wife ever. Needs to put you in your place. No, because she just we, we support each other, John. Right. We're not, we don't try to be hurdles in each other's lives. We try to lift no. each other up. You know? That's how it works when you have love. Um, but I have to admit, so, the, so the, the gig we did on the weekend, what happened was we basically got asked to do it about, uh, so through, I think I told you last week, got asked about three weeks ago, hadn't heard anything about it. Then on Tuesday or Monday, Dave said, oh, by the way, we're on this weekend. Now the gig was for four bands. Mm-hmm. 
And I got a bit, I was pretty nervous mm-hmm. because we've played, we've only played, this is only our third time playing together. Yeah. You know, like now we've practiced a lot and we've, we think we've got good songs and stuff. So we, on the day, you're basically going to do a sound check. So we go to the pub, a Rolling Stone. Have you been there? No. South City. Cool pub. No. Really good for live music. So um, turn up kind of standing around and every, all the bands are there and you're kind of oh yeah you go you know mm. and then some guy comes in and he's singing like he's bloody Axl Rose and mm. so then you think oh shit we're shit you know you go to that place and then we do our sound check and so for your sound check we just played a song we just played, did a song we actually ended up doing the same song twice yeah. and Dave goes what song do you want to play and I was feeling really nervous so I just said oh Governor which is for me the easiest song we play mm. like for the piano for keyboards it's so simple I was shaking like a yeah. It was a total disaster. We played it. I cocked up pretty much everything, and then we played it again. I was a little bit sick of time, so I left that sound check, not feeling confident yeah. at all, just fear crapping myself. But then we get there. Um, I got there just before about half an hour before we were playing, and luckily David brought all his mates along. So mm. and his mates are a good bunch of people. And um, get up. It, it was fine. Like I, I got up and I played pretty well. Well, I my goal this time was to play better. Um, but also to express myself because you watched the first video of us first playing I'm, I'm basically stiff, stiff candle mm. so I need to have a better stage presence um, but I was nervous but um, but it went well and, and, and what's really cool and this has happened to us both times I, I do think and I know I've said this a few times I do think we're good songs because mm. our, our, what we're aiming because this band after us they were really awesome but they were a bit more hard rock mm-hmm. you know a bit more a bit more mm. you know a bit more they were amazing musicians our rock's radio rock you know, it's 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 your Foo Fighters, it's your, mm. you know, it's stuff you're going to rock, cool rock, but you're going to hear it on the radio. It's not it's not trying to be too extreme in one level. Um, but both owners of the pub came up to us straight afterwards and gave us their card. Mm. And they said, we'd love to get you back with it. You guys have got great music. And these guys hear bands all the time. So mm. so it's encouraging. I, I, you know, watching the video post, um, we've definitely got things to work on. I've definitely got to get better at being comfortable, but... Yeah, no, overall, it's going in the right direction. So you went to the party, you went back to the pub to do your gig, then did you go back to the party? No, because it was kind of a, no, shit, no, we, I stayed at the pub. I didn't go home till like quarter past midnight. Oh, my God. <laughs> the problem was, so I stayed and watched other bands because I wanted to support, and uh, and they were great. Everyone, it was actually, pretty, all bands did really good. It was, good. it was a good gig. But um, I got home and I was just so hyped. Mm. So I didn't get sleep till like four, just sitting there because, you know, you're kind of buzzing from, mm. so that's the problem, but a good problem to have. But I was... I was so nervous, and especially because I in our sound check I was so crap. Um, but it's just that thing in life. The the way I got through the nerves was I'm so glad I have nerves because it means I'm challenging myself. Hmm. You know, and it's just you've got to have the, you've got to have moments in your life. Like if I want to be a musician in a live performing band, I've got to have these moments. Hmm. You know, and so it's you know, and it's just important that we have these. So that's pretty much it. What about this weekend, John? What are you up to? What have we got on this weekend? No, I think this weekend's a bit of nothing weekend. So. Nice steady week. Nothing on. Nothing on. Hit the garden again. Hit the hit a trailer load to the dump on Sunday. There'll be probably another trailer load this weekend. Now you do it because it stops growing now. Mm. I've got to borrow your aerator. What's my aerator? Your aerator for your lawns. Oh, yeah, you can borrow that. Yeah, 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 you can borrow that. Here you go. Yeah, sure. I didn't know Glad we it. shared that on the show. <laughs> I wasn't thinking, what, what's in the air raid? Oh, yeah, yeah, it works really well. Uh, okay. It's, I think we've had I'm off to Australia next week. Are you? I'm here Tuesday. Yeah, here Tuesday. So That's all that matters. <laughs> uh, am I here the following Tuesday? Oh, we might have to do it a little bit later. Because okay. I'm doing, doing that midnight flight. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get up too early. <laughs> Fair enough. So. <laughs> anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.